This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 276. Hey everybody, we are delighted to be with you this week. We have some really fun and I think helpful stuff that we want to talk about this week. But first, we are the Family Gamers. As always, I'm your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful wife, Anitra. That's me. And I have a fact about our episode number 276. This one is like kind of depressing. So according to a survey done by creditcards.com in 2021... The average holiday shopper with children under 18 plan to spend $276 per child on gifts. So far, I'm not sure where the depressing part comes <sighs> That's in. That's a lot. I mean, yeah, but people buy like Xboxes and stuff at Christmas for I mean, their I guess, kids. I guess so like when you average it all out. Yeah. I just still feel like that's a high number. Anyway, uh, it also says that the average holiday shopper with a partner plans to spend $250 or so on their partner, which fine. But I, I came into it for the 276. Sure. So 276, the average spend holiday 2021 on the kids in your life. And that's an average. Like, that means that half of all people plan on spending less. Right. I, I suppose that's true. You don't have to spend this kind of money. This is just the result of the survey. But if you do, you should remember what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, planning your Christmas spending now. Yeah, starting now. Right. And that way you might have $276 per child in December. Speaking of our sponsor, now is a good time to remind you that we are sponsored by First Move Financial. They remind us that when you buy a stock in the stock market, you're actually buying it from another investor. In fact, for you to be able to buy a stock at all, you have to be willing to buy at a price that someone else is willing to sell at. In other words, one person in the transaction has to believe the stock is undervalued and worth buying, and the other person has to think the stock is overvalued and it's a good idea to sell at that price. That's a little bit of a simplification because there are other reasons why investors buy and sell at certain prices. As we've seen many times, like Enron as one example, one individual stock is really risky. Mutual funds, on the other hand, are bought from and sold to the fund company. But the price is determined by the value of the underlying stocks and bonds at the close of that trading day. What that means is you have to put in an order during the trading day without knowing what price the mutual fund will be at the close of the day. But mutual funds own a basket of stocks and or bonds and are thus more diversified and less risky than an individual stock. An exchange-traded fund, or ETF, brings these two ideas together. It's a basket of stocks and or bonds put together by a fund company, but you're buying and selling it from other investors on the stock market. So you get diversification and you get to decide the price you're willing to pay. If this primer on investments already has you overwhelmed... My brain is leaking out of my ears right now. You may want to get help with managing your investments. <laughs> yeah. First Move is here to help. Yay! Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to set up a time to see if they can help you make your first move with investing. All right. Thanks so much to First Move Financial. I am glad there is someone else that keeps track of this stuff because 
I don't know. I it's just it's not my wheelhouse. <laughs> it amazes me to no end that you can do all kinds of math in your head that I can't do, but I definitely understand a lot of the economic terms and how all of the economics I mean, fit like, together. I, I understand the broad strokes of this, but like the prospect of having to deal with this on anything approaching a daily basis is like moderately terrifying to me. Sure. And if it's terrifying to you too, you should talk to First Move Financial. <laughs> Something that's not terrifying is our list of games we've been playing. Yeah, we've been playing some fun stuff lately. I've yeah. really been enjoying it. So early in the week, I, I knew it was coming at some point, but I didn't really know when. A uh, package showed up in the mail, and it was our copy of Roar and Write. Yeah, the from the Kickstarter last year. Yeah, so this is the Roll and Write from the uh, Galactic Raptor Animal Kingdom thing. It is a Animal Kingdoms game. Right, so this is really interesting. We had some people over that night, and we were like, hey, so you want to learn this game that we got in the mail today? And they were like, uh, sure, why, why not? Just like Animal Kingdoms, where these these kind of shifting requirements that you're trying to match, or they kind of they change every game. I guess it's not shifting requirements, but yeah. something very similar is happening in Rorgan, right? Yeah, that you have all of these counselors you're trying to appease with different goals, and so as the dice are getting rolled out, you're like, oh well, maybe I should go for this counselor this time, or maybe I should go for this counselor. And you get a bonus at the end of the game for the variety of counselors that you've um, appeased. But at the same time, you're also trying to take extra numbers from within there and put them within the kingdoms to fill them up a lot like in the original Animal Kingdoms game. And any kingdom that you can fill, uh, one of them is they have to be numbers in descending order. One is they have to be all the same, stuff like that. Any kingdom that you can fill also gets you points, and a lot of them will get you big points, much bigger than you will get from any one particular counselor. Yeah, I really like how this game mixed a lot of different kinds of set collection. I mean, I guess it's really just a lot of different kinds of set collection yeah. that are happening, but they're all layered. And one of the things that's really interesting about this, by the way, if you have this game or you are getting this game or you are kind of interested and you're curious about this game, even though this is a roll and write where all of the papers are on a pad that you tear off in your hand to everybody, there are asymmetric player goals on the bottom left of the pad. Yeah, right on the player sheet. And they're not really pulled out in a super obvious way. So you have to go look at them. But there are two sets of asymmetric goals. Everybody has a pair of numbers that they're trying to maximize and a single number that they're trying to maximize within the numbers that you write down. Yeah, and I don't know if it's there's like six sets of them. Or, I mean, for people like us who laminate, you know, some of our roll and write sheets to try to make them last in perpetuity, I have no idea. So I'm going to have to flip through it and take a look. I, I mean, took a quick look there are more than six awesome unique combinations <laughs> but really what matters here is that no two players have the same one yeah i guess so but you know you want to capture them all right i mean you, i mean maybe you do yeah I, I know someone listening to this show who will want to yeah 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 right a little bummed that it's not double-sided sheets a little but there's a lot no, of them i mean if Fleet can do it, anybody can do it. Sure, right? sure. I, I don't know how much that adds to the cost. I have no idea. So, like, I, I don't really want to come off as super critical or anything like that. It's just kind of a thought, you know? It's just but a yeah, bummer. I mean, we had a lot of fun with it, and I came back and played it again solo later. Nice. Because it's just really neat. I really like the way all of the different layers of set collection fit together. Yeah. It really is cool. I mean, it's got that weird giraffe thing to it <laughs> where it's like... <sighs> 
Do you ever watch one of those? I don't even know how to kind of describe it. Like one of those puzzles where everything looks like a mess until it folds together. Just it's that like magic eye thing where oh, almost kind of like all of a sudden like it kind of snaps into focus. And you're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, something kind of like like I feel that way about their games. Like almost all of them have this kind of feel to me where it's like nothing makes sense until boom, everything makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is not an exception to that. So I don't know. Maybe it's just the way my brain works. I have no idea. I, I definitely see where you're coming from on that. But later that night, we had an opportunity to show the same people that had come over another game, which we actually had been playing quite a lot of lately, and that is Chai, which I played I, yeah. four times in the last month. Yeah. I mean, yes, it is a review game, so we're trying to get plays in, but normally you don't push games quite that hard of like, oh, let's play it again. Oh, let's play it again. Yeah, it's just... It's so easy to kind of like settle into a game of chai and like the way this month has gone, I need something relaxing. All right. I mean, Fair. there's that. There's that part of it. Fair. So, I mean, that might be, you know, informing my opinion of what games we should be playing these days. I'm not sure. I also note that you've played four times and you've won exactly zero of those times. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for pointing yeah. that one out. I yeah. appreciate that very much. You're not very good at this game. It's <laughs> okay. I mean, look, I don't complain about you know bad luck in games all that often or i, I try not to. <laughs> like sometimes like okay and we've, we've talked about this before like I'm, I'm really not great during the process of losing but like once the game is over once the game is I'm over fine. you're usually good I'm fine yeah. I, but i've been trying to be better about it and then I've, I've really tried very hard to not look back on it and say oh man i can't believe i just got so unlucky and it was so unfair and blah 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 blah, blah, blah. and like whatever it's a game but some of those games have been really ridiculous uh, that's true so i I'm holding out hope that I'm not just the worst tea game player ever. <laughs> and if I am, Dan and Connie, I apologize. And it's not a reflection on your game. <laughs> I don't even know if they listen to the show. They probably don't. But anyway, um, they're, they are some of the nicest human beings on planet Earth. So I want to make sure that they don't think that my inability to perform well in their game is a reflection on their game in any way. All right. Fair. So. What else have we been playing? We played one more game that night. We played Draftosaurus that I night. I love that game so much. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later in the second half of the show because there's a discovery we made with Draftosaurus that makes it a lot easier to play with younger kids, even though we didn't have younger kids play that particular time. Right. So I'm going to do this a little out of order because I kind of almost mentioned it and then didn't. This week on the show, we are going to be talking about some add-ons or adjustments or, or things or tools that we uh, have used or recommend that people use when they're playing games with kids to just kind of make the process a little bit easier. So that's what we're going to be talking about later on. And Draft Source is a game or really any other kind, any kind of drafting game like that um, is, a, is a good example of where we can use some of these tools. So yes. we'll get back into that. Uh, yeah, so we played pretty much vanilla base game at Draftosaurus. We played mm -hmm. both sides, got to introduce that to some people, and that was a lot of fun. Yup. I've been playing some yummy, yummy monster tummy. Yes, you have. <laughs> Do you like it? It's so adorable. It's super, super cute. And for all that it's adorable and really easy to get started, it's very easy to ramp up the difficulty on it to a point where it's actually challenging for adults. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a brain burner kind of game and never will be, but it's really neat to be like, well, we need to make dark blue and I don't have anything blue in my hand how on earth are we gonna do this <laughs> yeah yeah it, and and that happens i mean that's gonna happen yeah. in every single game of it that you play and you've got to figure out how to invent colors out of nothing 
Or get as close as you be can. Be like, oh, well, I have a really dark green. Do you have a blue or a black or something? Right. Just well, I have a really light enough. blue and you have a really dark green. Maybe those two together will work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's really it's not. It's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Yeah. So I've really been enjoying that and I am looking forward to finishing up my review that I'm writing for that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, I also played some Agropolis all by myself. All by yourself. Agropolis is way harder for my brain <laughs> to wrap around than Sprawlopolis. Okay. I Why have not that? won a game yet. That's super interesting. Why? The goals are just a little bit different than what I was accustomed to with Sprawlopolis, and there it's just feels like there's a little bit more you need to keep track of. Okay. Some of the goals involve the animal pens, which is one of the four types of terrain. And that's part of it. There are three different kinds of animals that can be in there. And some are one pen in the spot and some are two pens in the spot. So anything that involves animal pens, all of a sudden there's way more counting and differentiation. But the last time I played, didn't even care about the animal pens. And it was still just really tough for me to kind of fit all the goals together in my head of how to make it work. Huh. I wonder why. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, that's really interesting. I would say the game I played most recently was not in and of itself harder than Sprawlopolis, but it was like a hard game of right. Sprawlopolis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess that's what you want in the second kind yeah. of iteration or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want in the first one. So I suppose that's a good thing. Uh, one game that I played again, and I've been playing a, a fair bit of this, although somehow I haven't played it with you, although I've shared some of it with you, is Batflip. Yes. I really want to talk about Batflip because it takes two games that I really, really like and a topic that I really, really like, or a theme <laughs> that I really, really like, and mashes it all together into something that I really, really like. I really enjoy playing, and I, I, I kind of like always am thinking about the next time I'm going to play it okay. when I'm playing it. Um, so Batflip is a game that, by the way, it's, it's apropos that we're talking about this. It's coming to Kickstarter on Tuesday the 18th. Okay. Which is a day that might be familiar to you. Yeah, it is, in fact, familiar to me. Yeah. Yes, that, uh, that would tell be... tell our listeners why? Sure. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast last year. The 18th is my birthday. It's your birthday. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be the... I'm going to be over the hill at the big 4-0. Uh, so Batflip is coming to Kickstarter on Tuesday the 18th. This is a game that is basically Smash Up and Baseball Highlights smashed together. You're playing a game where you draft two teams and then you shuffle those cards together and you're play it's a it's just a one-on-one -on -one head to head baseball game and it's really pretty simple you try to get a hit the other team tries to defend against that hit. If they're successful in their defense, then you take an out. Whenever anybody is out, everybody draws a card. You know, it's this back and forth kind of sparring thing, and you play three innings of a game. There's the concept of bunting or like sacrifice bunting. There's the concept of walking. There's the idea of pinch hitting is in there. Once per inning, you can flip over your, it's basically the player aid card uh -huh. where you, you flip it over. You're like, okay, it's time for a bat flip moment. And if you know baseball at all, like the idea of the bat flip is what happens after somebody hits a ridiculous home run. They're like, they flip the bat and they, you know, and then you just flip the top card of your deck over and whatever that hit is, it's an, it's an undefendable hit. Right. And of course, if you flip over a pitcher, then you're you're out and it kind of stinks. But yeah, it's just this really fun back and forth. There's tons of replayability with all the different kinds of decks. I have a prototype copy of it with some of the older um, rules. 
that I guess at PAX Unplugged, some game developers were trying the game out. Not the not the guy who made the game, Scott Corlander, but some other devs. And I guess they basically broke the game. <laughs> um, so some rules have been adjusted. But it's good that that happens now, right? Like that's what prototyping and, and you know, protospiel kind of stuff is all about. So I'm really into this game. I mean, some of the names are hysterical. I've shared some of them with you. <laughs> guy Carumba is a uh, batter. Yeah, so there's lots of puns and stuff like that and references in a lot of the names and stuff and just it's just so fun and it distills a lot of what I like about baseball highlights into something that's a little bit faster, but also the whole like smashing together of two teams thing. Like you can do it randomly or you can draft them or whatever. It's really really interesting and so, you know, just like with a game like Smash Up, like some people really like certain decks right like russian bear cavalry yep. is is a, a favorite of ours i really like the sheep yeah you like the sheep robots i've always been a fan of mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. whatever but the point is like you can do the same thing with bat flip and it's just a lot of fun i played it with asher and he had a blast playing it i'm really looking forward to seeing it be successful on kickstarter as you all know, uh, and if you don't, you're about to find out, I don't like telling people to go back something on Kickstarter. I don't like telling people what to do. I don't know their situation. But I know that even though I have a prototype copy of the game, I'm going to go back this game on Kickstarter because I want it to be successful. Sure. And we will definitely put a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes if you want to go check it out. But you can probably also just search Batflip. Yeah, go to a Kickstarter and type in Batflip and you'll find it. And if you cannot find it, we're going to share all of our contact information at the end of the show. We are more than happy to point you in the direction of Scorelander Games who are putting this title together. So that's Batflip. We've played a ton of it. We're really enjoying it. Like I said, I'm going to kickstart it because I believe in it as a product. So that's that. I've been playing a lot of that. You know what else we played? You and I played the Cupid Crisis. <sighs> we did. But we did the print and play so we could do it and be done and be like, hey, let's tell people about this before Valentine's Day. Right. So to be appropriately thematic, it was a long day. And I said, you know what? Anitra needs to be away from the kids. I really needed to be away from the children. <laughs> so we actually, and all the nerds out there will appreciate this. This is like the ultimate dad flex. I let the kids watch the latest episode of Boba Fett, which I still haven't seen, even though it's three days later. (laughs) And you and I went into the bedroom and sat on the bed and played Cupid Crisis together. Yes. And we had a good time. Did I win husband points? You definitely won husband points. Anyway. uh, (laughs) So yeah, so this is uh, the fourth in the Holiday Hijink series. I thought it was going to end at three. I mean, I thought they were a great three. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep going. They're going to hit they every holiday that they can they, figure out. They're tremendous. They're fantastic. Yeah. They're excellent. I highly recommend them. We'll talk about Cupid Crisis more when we do our snap review. Obviously, we're not going to share anything. The one thing I'm going to say about Cupid Crisis is this one is probably the least reusable of all of them. This one, yes. you really probably are, you, you well, all, here's what I'll say. You'll have to work hard to not write on the cards. Yeah. So other holiday hijinks we've done, we've been doing with the retail versions, and we've had someone in mind that we want to pass them on to. Also, we don't want them all marked up when we do the review. So we've gone that extra mile to not write on them. Since this was a print and play, I was just like, it's fine. Yeah, Use pencils. Let's do right, it. Right. Made several of the puzzles much more doable, shall I say? Right. Yep. Yep. And honestly, guys, this is ten dollars. Um, <laughs> or if you do the print and play, it's like four dollars. Just do it. Write on it. You'll enjoy it more that way. Mm-hmm. 
it's definitely one you can still play with kids, but I really enjoyed doing it just you and me. Yeah, this is a nice one for that. I mean, because the whole narrative thing is basically you're on a date. Like, so yeah. um, I don't think that's really spoiling anything. So, I mean, it's just kind of not nice to do as, as a couple. And yeah. there were one or two clues that we were like, I don't even know what to do with this thing. And then, you know, look and you're like, oh. Of course. Uh. So, you know, there's some of that, but we we did. We had fun. Yeah. We got one more. Okay. This was a fun game. This was really good. So this is the game that way back when we had Jeremy Howard on the show. And by the way, I think he's going to be on the show next week. Teaser. Yeah. Uh, He recommended this game to us. And I filed that away in my little memory banks. And I bought it for you for Christmas, which is good because it's a Taster Insult Games title and they have gone out of business uh yes so the game is rolled west Mm -hmm. which is an old west themed roll and write yeah it was not what i was expecting really at all and i really really liked it so i about halfway through game one i was like "Mm, i don't know how much i like this game i'll see it through you know anita likes roll and writes more than me maybe this is just it's not the one for me and then we finished the first game and we're like, hey, you want to try one more time? Like, see if maybe we can do a little bit better. We or immediately played again. And by like two thirds of the way through the second game, I was like, oh, this freaking game. I'm, oh, I need to play this game again yes, so I can do better. Yes. Especially because so we immediately played a second time. And the second time we both did worse. We both did worse <laughs> than the first time. I don't get uh, it. Uh, I do get it because like for for four turns, or I, I guess it was two turns, two for me and two for you. All I wanted was a silver and we didn't get one. Right. Sure. (laughs) So this was really neat. Rolled West is not a game you can play solo. Mm. No, no. There are dry erase boards here. So it is limited to four players unless you buy more than one copy of the game or, you know, make copies or whatever. Or something. I mean, Um, you could probably like photocopy the dry erase boards. You probably could. It's a... Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but and then laminate the photocopies. So you- maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that caught my eye is that even though this is a roll and write, this isn't a handful of d sixes. There were there were four twelve sided dice mm-hmm. in the box, and they're all identical. Well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't look. I at think them. they're all identical. I mean, they have the same symbols on them. They have the same four symbols right. on each die. I don't know if the weighting is the same or not. I have no idea. Um, and those symbols represent wood copper silver and gold or four different kinds of terrain well i mean hold on hold on so the the terrain is the is 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 still represented by the wood copper silver and gold yeah it's just a wood terrain a copper terrain a silver terrain yeah and And they had names but we don't really oh they did i didn't even know that but i just we're just like it's the green the brown the (laughs) the gray and the gold terrain right well i just i say that because you have 12 sides so you could say like oh well there are they split up you know whatever sure no no, but it's, it but it looks like they're all identical. Yeah, it's a really neat balancing act in mm. this game. I mean, which you expect from a roll and write, but it's set up so that you do want to pay attention to the other players. You have, to. you have to pay attention. It's not one of those games where one person rolls the dice and everybody does the stuff. Right. It's you roll the dice on your turn. You decide a little bit of how to manipulate them and put them out in your stuff. But everybody else gets a chance to, quote unquote, reserve one of the resources that's represented there. Yeah. I, we only play this at two players. So with two players, I would take a turn, you would take a turn, and then we would have a ghost roll. It just gives you another opportunity yeah, for yeah, those it's resources. Another, it's another option, yeah. ability to get another roll. Because like you said, you get to take one resource from someone else's roll. 
And yeah. if there's only two players, that would only be one person. So the ghost role kind of gives you each of a little you bit more little flexibility, bit more flexibility there. and options. But the game is really interesting because it's six turns and I wish it was like 10. I mean, that's a mark of a good yeah, game yeah, yeah. of this oh, type. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. And I'm, I'm not complaining about it at all, but like... There's so much more stuff than you could possibly do. Oh my goodness, yeah. So and not not like in a confusing way either. Like it's just that, like there's really well structured four different sets of things to do. Yeah, there are four different places you're doing stuff on your board. Or ways to invest and, your resources. Yeah, ways to use your resources. Any one of those four areas, you're not even going to get more than about a quarter to a third of it done. And that, I guess that was the thing that really got me is like, so you're telling me that I could pour absolutely every resource into one of the four sections of my board and there's still no way I'm going to be able to complete it. Yeah. And like that, that was the part where I was like, man, that's like super restrictive. And I don't not like it, but I'm still going to be like, man, that's super restrictive. But on the flip side, because it's six turns at two players, that's what, 12... 16 or so die rolls because there's a couple of extra with the ghost mm-hmm. ghost thing and then the game's done it went remarkably fast once we knew what we we're doing yeah it's a good game i'm glad we have it i think this is one that's going to stick around for a little bit sometimes yeah. we pick up a game we have the opportunity to get something we try it for a little bit and we're like eh, like it was fine and this one but this, this is one fun. i want to keep playing it this is a great date game it's yeah. small it's you know fast. it's compact there's not a ton of pieces it's really good for something like that or even even like a double date you can you can break this guy out sure and, i mean this thing would fit in the pocket of a pair of pants that is not super tight i, I mean cargo shorts sure. maybe yeah, 100%. <laughs> yep. yeah. Yep. so that is rolled west that's a good one all right do you want to welcome our new community members now or do you want to take a break and then come back and do it uh let's welcome them before we do our break all right yeah it's been a couple of weeks so more than happy to welcome we have seven new members in the community awesome so i will kick it off with welcome to amy welcome to maddie welcome to donna and jennifer and casey and andy good name and welcome to christine thanks so much for joining the community i know that will be a good resource for you guys if there's anything that you want to know any questions you might have feel free to ask Uh, make sure you participate in the posts that nick is putting out there he's been doing a great job trying to get uh, just some people talking about games that they've been playing we talk about them on here Mm -hmm. so um definitely head over to the family gamers community and bring your friends in as well all right well i think that's it And let's take a quick break, and you can listen to Andrew do a snap review all by himself. Yeah, I mean, you had done some that were solo, and I was like, I want to turn. So I talk really fast about So Clover. We'll be right back. I love word games. I like to think that I'm a pretty clever clue giver. Maybe you'll have to ask any true about that sometime. And I like to think that if I had just one chance, just one chance, I could be both lucky and clever. This is a snap review for So Clover. This is the next cooperative puzzle game from Repost Productions, makers of the award-winning Just One. So Clover supports three to six players, ages 10 plus, and a game takes about 10 to 30 minutes, depending on your player count. Art is an easy conversation in this game. There really isn't that much art. I mean, you have these clover boards that look like this, and you have some square cards that look like this. 
In Silk Clover, everyone takes, like I said, one of these clover boards. Then you take four of these square word cards. You put one of them in each section and they, they hold on pretty well, right? Uh, and you end up with something that looks kind of like this. So once you've put one of these four cards in here, you can see a little bit of what I've done, okay? It's time for everybody to get to work. Take your dry erase marker and you're gonna come up with some clues. You have to relate your words together. In this case, I have cup and fair. And I've got to figure out a way to make cup and fair work together. And for me, I chose the word world because you have the world cup and of course, world fairs. In this case, I didn't really relate the words, but I came up with a word that was kind of related to both of them. So once you finish writing four clues on this, you're gonna flip your clover so all four of those cards fall out. Then you're gonna take these four cards, you're gonna add another one from the stack and shuffle them together. Once everybody has finished, everybody takes turns flipping their clover over, now with no cards on it, but with four clues, and providing those five cards face up for everybody to try to guess how all of those things go together. If you get it right on the first try, you get six points, one point for each clue you got correct, and two points for getting it right away. If you get any of them wrong, whoever it was that wrote those clues down can't say anything. They just take off the cards that you got wrong. Everybody gets one more chance to try to fix those guesses, and after that one, you get one point for each correct card that you got. Remember, you're all working together. Well, what did I expect from this game? Like I said, this is Repost Productions. Just One was a Spiel de Jar winner because it's incredibly fun, it's light, and it's easy to understand. So I expected more of the same from this. And to be honest, the theme for the game is right on the front. Link all the clues together. It says it right there. And the steps are right on the back. So I felt like I had a pretty good idea how the game was going to go. So did anything surprise me about this? Well, what I didn't expect, because the back doesn't really tell you, is that everyone is doing all of their steps at the same time. This is great, especially for a family game, because it means almost zero downtime. Now, there's a lot of similarities between a game like this and a game like, say, Codenames, because it's all about word association. But with this game, the teach is like two minutes long. It's super fast. And it's also really, really hard, by the way, to keep a straight face while everyone is talking about your clues and trying to figure out how to put them together. I do think that Just One is probably a better restaurant game because there's a lot of these little cards, like a lot of these little cards, and it could be pretty easy to lose track of those. But in any other setting, So Clover has my vote. It's just the perfect combination of quick teaching, simultaneous play, large group support, and just enough brain burning to still be engaging as a party game, which I love. And sometimes you see some clues that are just genuinely super clever. But I will say one thing. I'd love to have a score scale. There is nothing in this game that says, hey, if you as a group achieve a certain level, then you're super genius or whatever. There's literally nothing in the box. And I kind of wish there was one here so that we had you know, scores to try to achieve or, or push for or something like that. But honestly, that's my only complaint about So Clover for Repos Productions. So I, I just love this game. And for all of the reasons that I listed before, I think we're actually gonna rate So Clover Four and a half four-leaf clovers out of five. And that's so clover in a snap. And we're back. All right, so our thought this week was that we want to talk about accessories for gaming with our kids. And so this is going to be stuff that's going to help us make the gaming experience a little bit smoother. Yeah, so especially thinking about those of you listeners who have young children we have now graduated out of that group mm -hmm. but when our kids were really little we were playing games with them that were not necessarily designed 
four little kids. And so there were a number of problems we kept coming up against over and over again. Right. And some of these things, by the way, also might help if you're playing with older members of your family that might not have as much fine motor skill control anymore. Dexterity Right. Anymore. Maybe they have arthritis in their hands, and so it's difficult for them to hold cards, for example. Yeah. And so we'll just start with the first one, which is basically card holders. And there's lots of different kinds of these that are out there. Yeah. So as anybody with small children knows, most playing cards are hard for kids to hang on to. Now, there are games where this doesn't matter, like our favorite Century Golem, because most of the time you're laying cards out in front of you and you can play open hand if you need to. Maybe your kids are in that two to four year old age range where they have jam hands and you want to minimize the amount of time <laughs> they've got their grubby little paws on your hand on your cards. And so, you know, you put them in a card holder. And so there's two different kinds of card holders that are available on the market. And we'll link to both of these in the show notes for this show. One of them is it literally stands on the table and you can just slide cards into a little slot at the top and it holds them for you. Yeah. There's a second kind in this category where it's like a stand-up tray where you kind of balance the cards on it. They're slightly less useful with young children, but they look nice. And I actually think the ones that stand that you put the cards into the slot, I think yeah. they look fine. I think those look fine too. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit harder to store. Yes, they're a lot harder to store. <laughs> than any of the other ones. But like, you know, what, what you're talking about is... is Almost akin to like a Scrabble tile tray. Yes, but exactly. Cards. But for cards. But the one I'm thinking of, and again, we'll we'll link to this. It it, it almost looks a little bit like a seashell. Yeah, you know, and it's it's got a little fully, bit of a grippy yeah, stuff in there. Yeah, so and, you, and the, it you literally the stick in there, them in. And it's really nice. And it's very easy for kids to slide a card in, slide a card out. They're fantastic. Yeah. The other kind that uh, that we have used and played around with and even given away on the show before is something that's actually handheld and it almost looks like a little fan yeah it's called the little hands card holders and it basically gives your kids a handle to hang on to the whole hand of cards right and the nice thing about this is you know if you need to say go potty or something you can put it face down on the table you know it's not like something that's standing that you've got to kind of tip over or something like that you can put this thing face down on the table you can pick it up Whatever. And this kind is probably more useful for a game like Sushi Go or something like that where you're drafting and you're literally passing the entire hand of cards. Mm -hmm. Because when we've used the stand-up ones, it means taking the entire hand of cards out of the stand and passing it to the next person. Right. Whereas these, you could just pass the little fan Yeah, I guess if around. everybody had one, you could literally just pass them along yep. and it would be super easy. Um, so that's the first thing. And, you know, here's the thing about this. Like, for able-bodied... You know, standard adults standard is that probably not the right word like <laughs> able-bodied adults able-bodied mature adults a lot of these things seem pretty minor but sometimes and if you're a parent you know this it could be the smallest thing that makes something completely unworkable for your child and these are just tricks that we've used that smooth over some of those gaps to make something that would otherwise be for some reason that is difficult to comprehend impossible a game that you can play with your family Right. And it can just make the difference between a game being one where your kids say, no, it's too hard. I don't want to play it into something they want to play because they can't articulate to you the it's too hard part is holding the cards or rolling the dice. And those things are so secondary to us as gamers. I mean, yeah. even if you're not a gamer gamer, like everybody has played cards. Right. And the idea of fanning your cards in your hand isn't 
I mean, it's like breathing. You don't think about it. You just kind of do it. Right? <laughs> right. And I will say that like our seven-year-old, this is still something he struggles with more than about three or four cards. And he's suddenly like, well, I'm going to keep them all collapsed until I need a card. And then I'm going to look at them all again. Yeah. It's just, and then it just, it takes a few minutes and then the other kids get annoyed. And again, this is just to smooth things over. Right. And like these little card things, the, the handheld ones are like $4. Uh, yeah. They're, they're really inexpensive. They're real cheap. So you mentioned the idea of passing these little hands around, which is super cute and super adorable. One of the things that we added to our basket of gamer accessories, which has been absolutely fantastic, has been IKEA silicone baking cups. And they don't have to be IKEA. You can get silicone baking cups anywhere. Sure. So... At first, we were just using these to hold the little buckets of components, you know, well, cubes, I said, I coins. I said earlier that I really like reusable components in games. Right. I also like them, you know, in my house. <laughs> so these are yes. something that if a bunch of adults are getting together, you can use them to hold chits or components or whatever, you know, the, the counting materials of a game. Right. But when you're playing with kids, these have another use. Well, we discovered a little while ago with Draftosaurus... They make holding the dinosaur meeples so much easier, and you can just pass the cup to the next person with all of the meeples in it that you're drafting. It's so much easier than trying to pour meeples from one person's hand into another person's hand. <laughs> or especially when you go from a big hand to a small hand. Right, exactly. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really helps a lot. And I mentioned those jam hands, like, you know, it, it's really great when you're trying to pick one dinosaur meeple when none of the other ones stick to them. <laughs> yes, that's true. All right. Speaking of things that stick to little hands, how about dice? I think... Chance cube. <laughs> yeah, chance Luck cube. Luck factor. There are many things about dice and children that can be problematic. The biggest one for me is that especially as soon as you have more than one die, they just go everywhere. Yeah, we have a <sighs> neoprene mat that we will roll out when we're having a proper gaming session. And even with that, our seven... <laughs> he throws them so hard at well, the he's, tabletop. He's trying to roll the dice. Like, right. Like, this is my action of rolling. Unfortunately, his action of rolling is roughly akin to spiking a volleyball. <laughs> yes. So the dice bounce and they go everywhere and so we've really you know i mean things like dice towers are fine but it turns out they're really helpful with kids yeah and so this is another one where there are lots of options here the absolute cheapest simplest option is take the box top mm -hmm. from whatever game you're playing and have them roll the dice into the box top it's not quite as good but it helps it is the cheapest and simplest however we discovered that having an actual dedicated dice tray for our seven-year-old has helped him learn how to roll dice a little bit more carefully mm. because he wants them to stay in his tray because it's his. Yes. And Psychology of children. It really is. <laughs> um, in his case, we got one of those ones that's just a little bit floppy and snaps at the yeah, four it's corners. A, it's a store flat leather. Yeah. Uh, snap together dice tray but there are other options i mean there are nice wood dice trays and things like that too that you can do with a nice felt inside yeah i also highly highly recommend dice towers especially if there's more than two dice to roll mm. so the dice tower thing that is really something where it helps both ends of the spectrum because yes. for again us whatever able-bodied adults it's very easy to shake a bunch of dice in our hands and and 
roll them onto the table. But for someone who's older, who just doesn't have the fine mortar skills to be able to shake a bunch of stuff and, and roll it anymore, mm -hmm. being able to drop dice into a dice tray actually is helpful. I mean, this is something that for your mom is helpful. Mm -hmm. it, it definitely is. And again, for the lower end of the spectrum as well. And some dice towers are really cool and may help your kids to be like, oh, I don't want to chuck it really hard at the dice tower. I want to drop it in so then I can watch it bounce or around and come down. Or, or whatever, listen. You know, if yeah. it's opaque, you're not going to be able to right. watch anything. But it does help because there's no active throwing. Yes. Right? And that's the value there. You can combine it with a larger size dice tray to also contain the dice when they come out. And third, a cup to hold the dice before rolling or dropping into the dice tower. I forget sometimes how hard it is to hold a handful of dice. These games that have four or five or six mm -hmm. dice. I can do it. Our 13-year-old can do it. But honestly, even Asher has trouble holding that many dice without dropping them. It really depends on like the size of the dice, too. I mean, sure, you can have sure. small six-sided dice. You can have a bunch of 20-sided dice. Like, it really does depend on a lot of different factors. We have one more suggestion, but one thing I do want to kind of circle back on because we've alluded to it a bunch of times. Having a dice tower on the table or having a dice tray on the table doesn't need to be communal. It yes. can be, but it doesn't need to be. And this is something that I think is really... I just... When we put stuff like that on the table, it feels like it should be a communal thing because it's it's the dice tower. Everyone right. should use the dice tower. We got to hand the move the dice tower around. Da, 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 da. But we talked about the this is mine. Right. And I want to keep the dice in my dice tray because it's my dice tray. Yes. And it's really powerful for kids to be able to give them that accoutrement so they can say like, no, this is my dice tower, and I can roll the dice into my dice tower, and that helps them value the experience because they have their own stuff. They, they have an investment in playing the game with their stuff. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, you know, us more grown-up types and say like your special role-play dice or things like that. And, you know, you can even play with this. You know, this is something where you can say, oh, well... I won the game, so you get to have the dice, the dice tower this time, or something like that, and 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 so the, mm -hmm. it can help with the you know the pain of losing. And, and we've talked about strategies about how to deal with the sore loser and stuff like that uh, in the past. This is yet one more example of of how this could work. But it, it really is powerful to let the kids kind of have their own stuff, right? And so these are some tools that can work on a communal level or on a personal level for a younger or an older gamer. Yeah, and part of the reason we wanted to do a show on all of this kind of stuff is because when our kids were little, we weren't really thinking about any of these tools. We were like, oh, you open the game box and you start playing yeah. with what you have. Right, right. This is stuff that we've pretty much figured out over the last five, six years of doing this show <laughs> yeah. and playing a ridiculous number of games and all of this other stuff. So I, I hope this is helpful. There is one more though. Yes. So everything we've talked about so far, we have done. Uh, this last extent. one yeah. is one that we haven't done yet. But I really want to. I really wish we had when our kids were younger. Yes. Yeah. And this is using a Lazy Susan. So you can go now and you can find inexpensive Lazy Susans on Amazon, like under $10, under $20. And you can get them up to like 12 to 16 inches or so. At that price point. They're, yeah. they're rated to hold 60 pounds, though. I mean, as long as your board is flat enough, you can put the entire board on a Lazy Susan 
and then you can slowly uh, move it so that it doesn't have to be upside down for anybody. Right. You can also, by the way, put a board on, on the lazy, lazy Susan, Susan. Susan. Yeah. And, and then, then put, put your board right. on that board. So the particular one that we're going to link to has an example of someone who is using a Lazy Susan as a platform for doing jigsaw puzzles. So they can spin it around and work on other sides of the jigsaw puzzle, for example. And that's a kind of a great example of putting a bigger board on this inexpensive Lazy Susan and being able to spin that thing around. That's really going to help when you're playing with maybe people who aren't as strong with reading. Maybe their vision's not as good anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're learning how to read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just can't read upside down. Maybe someone has you know issues with dyslexia and it's fine when they're looking at words in front of them, but when they're upside down, they just can't handle it. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's lots of different reasons why the process of trying to interpret decode a board that's not perfectly in front of you might be a problem and something like this which is it is it's inexpensive it's under 20 bucks can completely change that experience and make it much easier for just about anyone yeah Uh, and that's really really powerful and Again, when you can get something that can hold 65 pounds of weight, $10, <laughs> and provide this, you know, this opportunity, this service, whatever you want to call it, I just think it's great. So what did we miss? What kind of tool do you use in gaming with your young children or grandparents or whatever that you have found to be surprisingly helpful? Yeah. So we mentioned before, like when we welcome new members to the community, I'm sure there's, you know, people that are going to be asking for advice and stuff in there. This is an opportunity for you to volunteer this advice. What kinds of things do you use in your gaming, whether it's something that you figured out or it's just something that your family has always done, whatever it might be, we would love to hear about it. And there's lots of different ways that you can do that. The number one way that I'm going to recommend is going directly to the community. You can find the Family Gamers community on Facebook by going to Facebook groups and searching for the Family Gamers community, or you can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. You can also find us on pretty much any social media. You could talk to us on Facebook or on Twitter. You could comment on one of our Instagram posts. All of those are at Family Gamers AA. TikTok also. I may try to make a TikTok that addresses the stuff we talked about in the podcast. That would be amazing. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) I sure won't do that. Uh, If you want to see the video of this wonderful phase of mine talking about So Clover, you can find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash The Family Gamers. Of course, you can always email us with your questions, comments, concerns, complaints you can yell at me i probably said something dumb because i'm dumb (laughs) (laughs) but if you want to just reach out to us privately you can always reach out to me andrew at thefamilygamers.com don't complain to me but i'm anitra at thefamilygamers.com anitra's complaint email is andrew at thefamilygamers.com exactly (laughs) check out our family gamers and play games with your kids merchandise t-shirts hoodies mugs and more at thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch If this podcast episode was helpful to you, please subscribe if you have not already and tell your friends. Yes, you can leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast subscription source is. You can find us on Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and even Spotify. And all kinds of other places, too. Thanks once again to First Move Financial for sponsoring the Family Gamers podcast. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. All right, so that's going to be it for the Family Gamers this week. I'm looking forward to playing some more amazing games in the week to come. Yes. But until next week, everybody, play play games games with your kids. kids.